What's up, world? I got a question for you. What is it that makes coffee so damn good? Maybe it's that caffeine and dopamine hit you get after pounding a pot or two. Or perhaps it's that feeling of connection that you get when you sit down with another person to work on yourselves in the process of recovery. Maybe it's the fact that you can take something so bitter and turn it into something so delicious. Whatever it is, we in the recovery community love our coffee. And why not? Coffee is fuel. Coffee is love. Coffee is life. That's what makes Brainwash Coffee the perfect partner for the Other Side of Hell podcast. Not only is every flavor of Brainwash Coffee mastered and handcrafted by obsessive minds who won't stop until they've gotten it just right, but 50% of all proceeds go back into the recovery community to help those who may still be suffering, which makes Brainwash Coffee a no-brainer. My personal favorite is Ego Ain't Your Amigo, a nice blend of Ethiopian and Guatemalan bean with a hint of citrus, dried fruit, and caramel flavor makes it a delicious blend for any time of day. Right now, you can go to brainwashedcoffeeco.com and use promo code OTHERSIDE for 20% off your coffee purchase. Brainwashed Coffee, clean your being. We at the Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. What's up, world? I'm Willie. And I am Cameron. Welcome to the Other Side of Hell podcast. Welcome. Yeah. Cameron. Did. Big, big stuff. Dude, we haven't <laughs> been here forever. Yeah. Well, yeah. you wouldn't, you couldn't tell. Well, it feels, feels good to be here. Yeah. We've had a lot happen since Dude. the last time we shot. So let's just let everybody in on a little secret. Yeah. We don't, we don't shoot these every Sunday. Right. We shoot a couple episodes at a time, a yeah. couple weeks apart. Yep. And we haven't shot an episode since we went to L.A. Yep. And we enjoyed ourselves Very immensely. Much with Valor. And uh, that was actually... Valor Rising. That was the weekend that we were supposed to shoot. Uh-huh. And instead, we went to Los Angeles with Valor Rising. Yeah. Uh, all, all the teams. Everybody. We got to see everybody. It was so cool. Yeah. But we came back and immediately got COVID. <laughs> everybody all of us everybody in our crew yeah all of us so it was it's been kind of a rough go the last little bit yeah i don't want to talk about it like i want to keep it all hush hush yeah how come well well, um there's so much stigma it seems like with like if if you get covid you did something wrong you think You you didn't mask enough you didn't wash enough you didn't you didn't take precautions enough. You didn't distance enough. You, you obviously got it because you deserve it. You know? Well, and, and uh, yeah, I think that it, the whole thing, you know, has become a little bit more political than, than it needs to be. Uh-huh. And, you know, that being said, like you and I and, and your wife have not been vaccinated. Right. right? So when we got COVID, we're, are, are you meaning, because I know like in my case, like there was this part of me that was like, fuck, should I have gotten vaccinated? Yeah. But, but Ryland 
was vaccinated yep. and, and he got and he got the COVID. And he got the COVID. And he got, You get COVID and, and you get COVID. And, and you get everybody a, gets COVID. And you get a car. <laughs> but so. then the next person you, you get COVID. Yeah. So and it was bad for me. Yeah. But I mean, again, just like the pandemic last year, you know, some good came out of it, I think. Um and Based on that, I think it's part of, you know, we got a great war story from mm-hmm. Ryan Candy, the the founder of Free. Which know. is what? It's, uh, it's, it's a church, right? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a place for spiritual refugees, um, fam, for addicts, families of addicts and spiritual refugees. Mm-hmm. So, and they don't do shame. He's a pastor, right? He's a pastor, yeah. yeah. And they don't do shame. Yeah, that's their tagline. And, um, you know, uh, I thought it was, I thought it was fitting because going through, uh, this COVID, like it fucked me up, Mm. you know, and it brought me to a place of willingness that I hadn't been at previously for quite some time because the, um, the insanity that went on inside of my head brought me to my knees. Yeah this last go around. Um, like I was, I was literally, uh, pretty close to checking into a hospital because of my mental state. Wow. And I got over nine and a half years of sobriety and I felt like I was fucking dying again. You know, the, uh, the anxiety and fear, uh, that was, that it was crippling, Mm -hmm. you know, and it brought me to a new place of willingness to surrender. And, um, Ryan's story goes right along with a lot of that. And he even mentions in part of it that, that even right now it's a difficult season for him. And, yeah. Yeah. He did say that. And, um, you know, he didn't really, he doesn't really expand on that, but you know, for us alcoholics, that, that, um, that place of, of despair is a very dangerous place because there's, there's usually only two solutions for that. One of them is, is to go back to what, we know will cure that pain, mm-hmm. right? And the other one is to pick up the spiritual tools that we've been taught and maybe forgot and and let go of. So, you know, uh, for me, it, it brought me to a place to where, um, you know, for the longtime listeners, um, you know, I've, I've been through a long season of atheism. And, you know, today I'm willing to change my perspective on that whole deal. And so our topic today is rediscovering God. And, you know, that's something that, that Ryan seemed like Ryan did in his story. And so I thought we would expand on that. Yeah. So hit me with your questions. Well, (laughs) hit me with your questions. I think it's amazing because, uh, when you, when you said that this is what you wanted to do for a topic, I thought, wow, I mean, think about, episode five of the show like this is you know we're 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 up there we've done a few episodes now but episode five of the show i remember we decided to do a q and a oh yeah yeah and uh and and one of the things that you wanted me to ask you um was about your atheism mm-hmm. because you wanted to be able to talk about your journey with that and uh and and to be fair, like it's important for people of all faiths to know that um, that recovery is possible despite what you might believe in that regard, right? Right. 
And so, um, so I commend you for, uh, for wanting to share that part of your journey. And I commend you for remaining open enough that you, um, that you are at this place that you're at now. And that's why when you said that you wanted to do this for a topic, uh, I thought, wow, okay, well, we're going to get into it. Like Willie's, <laughs> Willie's going to get vulnerable. He's not going to take his shirt off. But right. he's going to get vulnerable yeah. and, and talk about, you know, um, his his spiritual journey and and uh, and how he's, you know, he's gotten to this place where he's rediscovering God. I'm with you, man, because I think that it's interesting when we're in this um, situation. Like COVID did a number on me too, and and uh, and and I mean, I literally just didn't do shit for like seven days, uh-huh. and uh, and. It was just very, very, very strange, a very, very strange sensation to just to try and and do that without having that fear and anxiety, because it's like, like, is everything going to be okay? Like, I can't just not live my life for seven days. Right. Right. And and to, to be in a place with it where. You know, like I'm trying to to accept that yes, everything will be fine, and and it's sort of very very humbling because, you know, I get to realize in that moment it's like, dude, look, this is what you have to do. This is what's important, and this, and and all that other shit that you think is important doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. So here's another reminder of just how powerless you are. Why don't you just take it easy, settle down trust that God has a plan and that everything will be fine as long as you do the next right thing, which right now happens to be nothing. Just yeah. do nothing. And, uh, and it was hard. I definitely got that. Like when I, when I was finally able to talk to you and, and you said, man, this, this has been doing a fucking number on me mentally. Yeah. You know, I, I totally identified with what you were saying. And, 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 and I love hearing that you've taken some good away from it. Yeah. So talk to me about like your because one of the things Ryan, you know, mentions in his story is that, you know, he he's pastor and he, you know, sort of thought of himself as a quote unquote spiritual juggernaut. <laughs> yeah, he thought he was good because of his education, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, but but then it took for him to go through some shit and get into a program of recovery before he was really able to understand what surrender means. Right. So what, what has that journey been like for you, this idea of surrender in this instance? So, so cunning, baffling, and powerful, right? means it, it's sneaky, confusing, and smart. You know, if, if those three words don't work for you, cunning, baffling, and powerful. Sneaky, uh, smart and tricky. Uh, so, uh, I'm an alcoholic and, and I want to pretend from time to time that I am okay on my own, you know? And, and, you know, you mentioned episode five and, and I've shared my deconversion from Christianity, um, and, and what happened with me there. But, uh, when the pain becomes enough, then I become willing. Right. And I held it together for a long time without prayer and without um, any fundamental belief in a deity God or or any universal intelligence right. whatsoever, mm-hmm. you know, because 
I got so far out in the weeds with, with what that meant. It was making me sick at one time in, in sobriety. You know, the God idea was making me sick in sobriety and I had to let it go. Right. You know, it was I, not serving you. No, it, it, it was destroying been. me. Yeah. You know, I was, I was so confused about the nature of God that, um, I was afraid to look into anything else. You know, uh, the, the idea of this judgmental, um, dictator in the sky had, had ran me into the ground, you know, and, and I didn't know it, that it would be okay for me to let that go. And I didn't know that it would bring me to a place where the pain again would get so great that I would again become willing to take a different perspective on it. And so when I look at the course over the last five years, I can see where, um, you know, humility turned into ego and mm. ego, you know, because I identified really well as an atheist. Like oh, yeah. it, it was, it was really fun for me and I can look back and I can see how, how, um, egotistical I was in that going, look, I'm doing this without God. I'm doing this without, without a deity, higher power. Um, even though I'm not doing it alone and I, and I never did claim to do it alone. Right. I, I never, mm -hmm. I knew that there was something within the group, within the rooms, within one alcoholic helping another. I knew that that was a power that was greater than myself. But, um, when this thing brought me to my knees, this, this insanity that I was living in, I became willing, um, and understood for, for the first time in a long time that no human power could relieve my alcoholism because if a human power could have relieved it, I was, I was living in alcoholic thinking, which is anger, resentment, and fear, mm. doubt, frustration, bewilderment, you know, those hideous four horsemen of the apocalypse that yeah. the big book talks about. I was living in that to the point where, like I said, I was ready to go check myself in, um, and, and just get on whatever medication I needed to. Um, so, you know, coming out of it, kind of there's it's better today. Today's better. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I took major action and became extremely willing to do anything to get out of that because I don't want to die an alcoholic's death right now. We can live an alcoholic life and not know it. Right. And I'm proof of that because I have this podcast, I have all these years in sobriety. I've sponsored people. I have this voice, this platform. Um, and, and because, uh, I have an ego, you know, it's, it's easy for me to forget that I need to be humble and, and like maybe surrender mm. some more. And so, yeah. What was your question? <laughs> I don't, I, I, I just wanted to hear, you know, like what, what, how did you come to the place where you were able to surrender? It, it was, it, it was, it was more painful because yeah. I didn't have the drugs to blame. Right. I don't, you know, and, and like, fuck dude, I'm serious, man. The, the, the insanity that I was feeling was scary. Yeah. Like I thought I was going to die. I didn't sleep for days. Mm. I didn't eat for days. Yeah. And, um, I had to, uh, like I would, I, I would have shut the doors on my business. Like I had to get rid of one job and it was a hard, it was a hard conversation to have with this guy to let him know, you know, like I'm not the right contractor for this job. I'm sorry. Like I'm, I'm just not, my mental state is bad. And so, um, you know, I, I had to do that. Um, 
because I was willing to, I'm, I, and today I'm still willing to put everything else aside for the salvation of myself and my family, right? Um, because if I'm not there mentally, then I'm not there at all. And this is a family disease. Everybody suffers when yeah. dad suffers. Yeah. And so, you know, I came to it because we were talking before the show and um, you had mentioned you wanted to look up in the big book. Mm -hmm. One of the things that um, I started on a, like a couple months ago was redoing my step work. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think, I didn't know, I didn't know how I was going to handle step two and three. Yeah. You know, but there was some definite signs that the insanity was being returned. And step two and three for anybody that may not know is step, step two is came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. And, and step three, turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understand him. And I was uh, working with my sponsor. Now he had me, um, do my step work this time on pornography, mm -hmm. which, which has been really, um, it's been really helpful, Yeah, you know, and, and I, I dare say I got about three months porn free. Um, and which is awesome. Yeah. And, and the obsession has been removed and I'm not, I'm not putting judgment on anybody that watches it. I know like for me, it got to a point where I was acting compulsively with it, it mm -hmm. uh, you know, just like I do everything else that makes me feel good. And so, right. I want to get it out of my life. Um, when I came into step three, he had me do some, some exercises. And one of them was like, you know, how does God show up in your life? Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And, and so I, I did the writing on that and, and wrote, you know, how, how I could imagine seeing God show up in my life. And that's the, that's the thing that I have to do today, man, is, is imagine, what would it be like if there was a God, you know, not so you have to, you have to allow yourself to, to first decide that, you know, what, what would it be like if there was a God, because you're not prepared to say, I believe in God and this is what, what it's like. Yeah. I have to kind of imagine, you know, it did. one of the, one of the things that I have to do is imagine that, that God hears me was is something that I didn't have the first five years of sobriety. Mm. And it's something I didn't have the last five years of sobriety. You know, I never believed that there was a God that could hear me, you know? And so that's the first thing I imagine that, that there's a God that hears me, that my prayers don't fall in vain. Okay. You know, and that's important to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it really is. And, and then I have to imagine that I matter, you know, not, not just to you, because when I finally started talking about how insane I was feeling, the amount of support and love that was given back to me was, was substantial, mm -hmm. you know, it really was. And, um, one thing for sure is that I am loved. And so I know that I'm accepted within my group, within my peers, um, within my physical life. And so I have to believe that or imagine that, um, I'm accepted and that I'm on purpose, you know? And so these, these are all, um, fairly new concepts for me as far as God goes, because all those things were not there before. Right. You know, mm -hmm. it was more like, um, I'm not accepted that, 
Um, there's nothing that I can do to be accepted. There's only one way to God. And if you don't do it correctly, then you're not getting in, mm. you know? And so, yeah, I had to completely change the entire perspective and become willing. Right. You know, do I now the, believe or am I willing to believe that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity? Well, dude, I, I called my dad and, and my mom and my mom and dad are both uh, pretty, pretty big God people. And I said, look, I'm fucking I'm going nuts. And I don't know what to do. So will you pray with me? And and he did. And, you know, my dad prayed with me and. Um, it set me on course to find a solution without picking up, without killing myself, mm. without checking in. And, you know, unfortunately one of, one of the solutions was getting rid of one of my jobs. I just can't do it. Like I'm too small and, and, um, I can't take care of, of all of it. The other thing that happened was it set me on a course of vigorous action and, you know, I was able to as of right now, complete the resentment inventory of the four step before I move into the next part of it, yeah. you know, get back into the step work, into the, into the solution for what makes me insane, which is my mind. And the solution seems to be the steps. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. It's humbling. Yeah. Humbling is, is, you know? is a good word for it. Yeah. And I think <clears throat> what I really liked, um, about what you were talking about is, that that's sort of the freedom that we get through this process is we there's there's so much of it that we have to unlearn yeah we have to we have to sort of cleanse ourselves of and i think that for you it sounds like that process of of cleansing um was a lengthy and extensive one. <laughs> you had to first go through this idea of like, okay, like, well, I'm going to just choose to believe that there is no God for a very, very long time. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, decide on what concept of God is going to work for me from that point. Um, and, and you had to go through all those motions in a very organic way based on the things that you were dealing with in your life. And I think that that's, um, that's, that's very commendable. One of the things that, that I have heard of people doing, um, with the step work, step two and three specifically is a, is a fire higher thing, right? Where you, you fire this concept of God as you, as you have it. And then you hire, um, a version of God that works for you. And, and I, and I think that it's, it can be, for people that have a very, very strong sense of what God is to them, it can be a revolutionary idea to think, you mean that I get to decide like my own concept of God? Yeah. And, and one of the things that people will do in that situation is write down like, okay, like what is, let's just personalize my God. Like, my God. Okay. Like I get to decide, like I am God of this God. <laughs> like I get to decide what God is. Like, what does my God do? Like if I get to decide what my God does, well, my God loves me unconditionally. My God isn't, isn't judging me. My God does hear me. Right. My God, um, you know, uh, only does good things. And, and, and my God, you know, like understands, 
um, everything about me, even if I'm not feeling good, like that's my definition of God. And it's like through that process, I get to decide like why, what makes this God less real than any other God? Like, right. Why can't this be real? Like, am I willing to believe that that's possible? You know? And, and it really is a whole process of unlearning, relearning, making decisions like, and, and taking drastic action on what, what am I willing to turn my will and life over to? Because that's the next step, right? I, not only do I have to come up with my own concept of God, but now I've got to be willing to say, okay, God, you take it. You're in charge. Yeah. Like you're in charge. You're running the show. I, I, I got nothing. I got nothing here. You know, and and surrender to that my own concept of God. So, you know, I definitely had to do that as well. Uh, go through this process. Like in my case specifically, I had a lot of resentment towards um, <clears throat> God. I would call it God. I would call it the universe. You know, like um, I. That's one thing about my story that I shared uh, with Ryan is that I lost somebody that was really close to me and. I literally out loud, I cursed God, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and so at that time I've never really had this deity concept for God, but I've always had like this spirit of the universe sort of concept of God, right? Like right. there's something bigger and I don't understand it and that's okay. And, uh, and in that moment I cursed that, you know, and when I got into a program of recovery, I had to be willing to, to change that concept of God because I was, I was in enough pain Mm -hmm. and I, I had seen that this was the solution that was working for people that had what I wanted. And so I was willing, Yeah, I was willing to say, okay, well maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I'm wrong about a lot of shit. It turns out I'm wrong about (laughs) my idea of what's going to get me sober. Yeah. So so maybe I'm willing to entertain the idea that I'm wrong about this and that I can be open to a new idea. Mm-hmm. And through that process, and, and it took a long time, but through that process, I became willing to believe that, that there is, you know, something more and, and, and that it's okay if it's not you know, specifically what I thought it was, or it's okay if it is, you know, something different than what I was raised with. And, and, um, and really after a year or two of sort of having this, you know, definition of, of what this higher power was, I started calling it God, Yeah, you know? Um, and, and so, it's, it's a process, you know, man, it's not supposed to be anything that I think that it's such a big, it's, it's, it's a big thing, right? Right. In the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it says, you know, God is either nothing or he is everything. Right. And so like, if God is everything, then that's a big fucking deal. (laughs) Like I, you know, like it's, it's, it shouldn't be, I don't want to say it shouldn't be taken lightly. Yeah. But like it, it, we have to realize what exactly that means. 
Like if God is everything, what does that mean? It means a lot of fucking things. Yeah. And it means that I, I'm not running the show. I don't have control. I'm powerless over alcohol. I'm powerless over food. I'm powerless over a lot of fucking things. Yeah. I'm powerless over COVID sometimes, you know, powerless over COVID. Yeah, exactly. And, and that dude, like, I have to have that trust and that faith that it will all be okay because that higher power is going to get me through. Yeah. You know? And so, so yeah, I mean, whatever it takes, like we're always going to find ourselves in these situations and I really appreciate you sharing it. And I think the illness is one where, you know, like we, I've seen a number of dudes contemplate, you know, their recovery when they're in these super vulnerable states, mm -hmm. because when we're sick, we're, we're not thinking properly. Like our bodies are, are not, um, they're not doing what they, we normally do. They're, uh, they're not capable of, of managing the stress or workload yeah. that they would normally manage. And so it's very easy in that instance to start that negative thinking and just have it run and run and run and run and 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 uh and i i've seen it take a couple of dudes out yeah you know um so i think that i really appreciate hearing that you and that opportunity you used it as a way to strengthen your program yeah you know yeah thanks yeah we'll see you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> we'll see right that was, that was, that was great, man. Thank you. Because, you know, you're right. It is, it is a, a very big deal. You know, we're on a life and death errand here. And if I'm not willing to change and adapt and, and move forward as needed, you know, um, then I'm going to stay in the same place always. And I don't necessarily want to stay in the same place, especially when it's that painful. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Mm -hmm. That's for sure. And so if, you know, I'm, I'm back at square one where just like, you know, I was trying to get sober at one time. Yeah. That, that was my main goal with, with getting into recovery was to get sober. And I was willing to do just about anything to get sober. And now I'm trying to stay sane. Yeah. You know, um, mm -hmm. not just stay sober, but stay sane and be happy and yeah. have serenity in my life. And, um, I'm willing to do just about anything for that because, I, I don't know if I can emphasize enough how painful it was to be almost 10 years sober and be in that much mental anguish, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so if you tell me that God is the cure for that, okay, I'm going to shut the fuck up and, and, and give it a, an honest try. Right. You know, and that's, that's one of the, the big things that the big problems that I've always had with with the God idea is my, my fear of being sincere. You know, I've, I've said many times on the show, I don't get to fake my sobriety. Yeah. You know, they say fake it till you make it or borrow my God until you find your own or those kind of things. And, and for me, like, um, sincerity is key, right? However, I can't also can't emphasize enough that this thing is cunning, baffling and powerful that it tricked me into believing that I was okay. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it fucking cornered me and put me in a place of isolation and fear 
and it happened in sobriety while sober. I picked up my insanity and went back into the dark caverns of alcoholism without a drink. Mm -hmm. So, um, there is, there is relief in, in the process, you know, and, um, I want to start putting stipulations on how far I go with God and like, you know, I want to, I want to be like, well, I don't want to be this God guy. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to go from an atheist to this extreme God fucking, you know, person. Um, but here's the thing I have to tell myself, Willie, shut the fuck up and get guided. doesn't matter what you want. Right. What you want took you to the gates of insanity in sobriety. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And I've heard about people doing that. Yeah. I, I never connected it. You know, I've heard about people being insane at 10 years sober, 20 years sober. And I, I didn't connect it. I couldn't, I couldn't personalize it until I went through it. Right. And, and today I'm, I'm willing to do like, if I got to close the doors on my business, if I have to, um, you know, find a different career path, um, if I have to do the steps again, which is what I'm doing, um, and, and it's been really revealing. It's been great. You know, like I said, you know, f- I finished my resentment inventory in the fourth step after taking an honest fifth or uh, third step with my sponsor. I'm getting ready to move into the fear inventory. And that's, that's where, that's where I'm at. Yeah. I'm in a massive yeah. amount of fear. You know, I'm, 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 I'm an alcoholic and, and fun, you know, I'm historically, I'm, I'm a fuck up and, and, um, my, my self doubt, my selfishness, my self centeredness has creeped back into the point of, of like detrimental behavior. Mm-hmm. Right. And I can look back now and I can see all the places that I have acted out alcoholically in sobriety. And again, you know, a I'm alcoholic and I could not manage my own life. B, that probably no human power could relieve my alcoholism and see God could and would if he were sought. And and going back to the basics of the book, of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and going back to the basics of the principles, you know, one of the things that it says is, is that God doesn't make too difficult of a time for those who seek him. Mm-hmm. You know, doesn't, doesn't make too hard of, of, you know, qualifications if you want God in your life. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm seeking that peace and serenity that I once had. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever it takes, right? Fucking whatever. Yeah. Whatever it takes to get that. Because like that's that's ultimately the goal and that's what we're fighting against is that insanity. Yeah. yeah. Like that I mean, I remember the insanity of being actively drunk and drinking and using. And I remember the insanity of sobriety in certain instances where, you know, like I start believing the, the thoughts that are going through my head. Like, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, when I find myself in that place, it's exactly, you know, it's usually exactly what it is you're talking about, where it's just this overwhelming sense of fear. And I've felt it, you know, over the last three, four months, you know, like as, as a new parent and some of that fear that, that comes along with that. And, and there is, there is a way to, to navigate that, um, 
And usually it's not something that I come up with on my own. Mm -hmm. Usually it's not an idea that I have. Usually it takes me being open and honest with somebody else and taking suggestions from somebody else that says, dude, this is, this is how I felt when I was in that situation. And this is what I did about it. Right. And, and the first thing we have to, to do is a, be open and honest about it and then B, be willing to hear those suggestions and then C, take the appropriate action. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I really like, I really like what you're sharing because it just, it's, 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 it's allowed me to kind of, uh, take an introspective look at myself and ask myself, you know, like, am I doing everything I can be doing, you know, to, to really seek out that, um, that serenity that I, you know, that I have felt before, because sometimes like. I feel like I get into a state where, you know, like I forget what it's like to, to be peaceful and calm. Yeah. You know, I forget what it's like to, to be anything other than restless, irritable and discontent. And, uh, and so, you know, like I start making that the new normal and then it's hard right. for me to, to, even decide like, well, do I need to take action or is this just, is this just my current state of mind? Like, is this just how it is now? So like what you're discussing here has, has, has really allowed me to like look inward and say, you know what, like I bet there's a new level of calm and peace that I could be feeling if I was willing to do a little bit more work. Yeah. And if, and if somebody in your situation, with the the magnitude of of things that you have on your shoulder as a father, as a business owner, as um, you know, a husband, um, as a son, podcaster, it, as a podcast host, um, as a sponsor, as a sponsee, if somebody in your situation is willing to to go to to those links and take that look and do that work, then why, why would I not be willing to do that as well? Right. You know? And so just know that you sharing what you're going through has helped me today. Um, and, uh, and I hope that, you know, I'm, I'm confident yeah. that it will also help anybody else who's listening. Yeah. Cause it's been a journey. It has been, it really has been, you know, and we got to ask ourselves, well, Will believing in God make my life worse or will it make it better? And it's been both for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and today, uh, coming around to these new ideas, being open to this solution, um, going back to the basics of, of Alcoholics Anonymous, the big book, listening to speaker tapes again and putting pen to paper has put me in a position to where I can say, okay, having this type of God in my life is making my life better. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And maybe I need to listen to that, you know? So pretty, pretty grateful. I'm still pretty shaky, but you know, it's coming around. Yeah. Grateful that I didn't relapse over it. Yeah. I'm, I'm grateful too. I'm, I'm grateful you found yourself in this chair today. Me too. Um, cause I think that it's been, uh, it's been, it's been a tough go, you know, yeah. um, for, for all of us. And, uh, and I think that life is going to throw us these obstacles. Um, and every now and again, you know, I usually will always think that where, 
um, you know, for whatever reason, I'll be going through something and, and I'll think to myself, well, life is going to, you know, like life's not going to be fucking peachy keen all the time, but then life will throw me something really fucking challenging. Yeah. And I'll just be like, fuck man. Like this one is rough. Like it is rough. Yeah. And for me, like COVID, um, it put me down enough to where, you know, like I had accepted it. I, 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 I knew my powerlessness. I knew what I was able to do. And, and I did come away from the whole experience with a, uh, an immense sense of gratitude, which was just like, man, it feels good to be fucking healthy. Mm. Like, I'm so grateful that I'm able to fucking exercise. Yeah. Because, you know, like... I, one of those days I just needed to get out of the house. So I went for a walk around the block and I was fucking wiped out, you know, just, just, just from taking a walk around the block. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I started feeling like healthy, I really started, you know, like just taking inventory of all that I have to be grateful for. And, and so sometimes you don't, you know, sometimes I, I'm pretty quick to dismiss um, some of the lessons that are in front of me, but that is how I can see God today in my life is like, look at all you have to be grateful for. Look at what could be taken away from you in an instant. And, and let's today choose to be grateful for that stuff. Yeah. And so I I get it, man. It's yeah, been... we're the lucky ones. I'll say it again. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a miracle that we're here. Yeah, you a know. lot of things could have taken us out. Yeah, it's a miracle that we're here. And so, you know, speaking of miracles, you know, Ryan, the guy that we got this topic from, and the experience. Yeah, of I his really, story. I really appreciated his perspective. And, yeah, and I think that. You know, people will see pretty clearly, I think, why it is we chose to pull this topic from it. Yeah. Um, because his 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 journey with uh, spirituality and and his own concept of God um, has been a very interesting one. Yeah. Ever evolving. Ever right? evolving, even even in in the God profession. Yeah. I would dare say. You yeah. Know, like even more so, you know, like, and I think that. I've, I've heard that, you know, I've heard, I've heard of people who are just like long time religious folk who, who come into AA and say, Oh, I two and three, I got that. Yeah. And, and usually it takes somebody to go. Yeah. I I don't know if, I don't know if you do, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And that was sort of his case. Yeah. He kind of went through a little bit of that. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I got this. Right. I'm all these things. And so, uh, Really great story, great delivery. There was there was a little bit of um, disruption during the recording, but you'll just see my face pop in every now and then. Yeah, no, you might no, or no. I might fix it. Um, oh, okay. Because I'm amazing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, with that, what do you say? Should we share Ryan's story with everybody? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Without further ado, here is Ryan's story. All right, hello everybody. I'm Ryan and I'm an alcoholic and this is my recovery story. And I should, I'll start with saying this. Um, 
you know, I've been a pastor for 14 years, so been in ministry in the church, and it took me uh, getting sober, it took me walking through the 12 steps and doing recovery work uh, for me in 12-step meetings to learn the things that are that are um, central to recovery, central to my recovery that I didn't pick up on in the church, and that is surrender, how to surrender my life, how to admit when things aren't going well, how to get honest. It taught me uh, the 12 steps teach me how to let go. Uh, I had to uh, go through all of this uh, addiction and sobriety stuff to learn that. Um, so I'll just jump into my story. Uh, you know, I grew up in a, in a household with uh, parents that loved me. It wasn't perfect. In fact, my parents actually went through a really ugly divorce when I was five years old, and it stayed ugly for many, many years. Uh, grew up, uh, but in all of that, I still say it was a good household. It was a good home. I was raised in a, raised in a Christian environment, uh, raised in the church, was active in the church for most of my life. But the thing is, um, I always had this feeling that I can now identify as the feeling of shame. I always had this feeling that I didn't belong. In fact, it always felt like um, as a kid being... Um, you all were in a class one day and I just missed it all. You all went to a class and, and I was sick that day and I missed out on just the, the key pieces of life. And so I always had this feeling of shame, like I didn't belong. And, um, you know, in high school, I did not pick up the drink uh, very often. I mean, it was only a few times where I drank in high school. But what I can remember was the first time I picked up a drink when I was 16 years old, I remember a feeling that came over me. Um, in fact, there's a, the Joe and Charlie sh uh, tapes talk about this. Joe and Charlie talk about the, the alcohol. When the booze goes through us, it, it makes it brings this tingly feeling from the fingertips down to the toes, and then you actually swallow the stuff. And, uh, man, that's how I felt. I felt like this tingly feeling and, like, uh, this shame had disappeared. It felt like I belonged and fit in. And I drank alone. From the very beginning of my drinking career, I always drank alone. It brought me to isolation and brought me to dark places. But I always thought, why would the church, why would my Christian community keep me from this? This is like magic. Why would they keep me from this? And uh, also, I should tell you, um, you know, when it comes to my story of being a, an alcoholic, I always thought, man, this isn't supposed to be me because this was my brother. You know, in high school, I took on the label of being the good kid. I was the one active in youth group. I was a church leader. My brother was the active alcoholic and drug addict. He was the one getting arrested. He was the one bringing shame into our good Christian family and bringing an embarrassment into us. And uh, I remember so many days in high school, um, I would leave the lunchroom and I didn't want anyone to know where I was going. And I would sneak out and jump in my car and drive a mile down the street to go visit him in jail. And, and I, I hated him for it, but he was also my best friend. And so that was never supposed to be me. Later in high school, he, he got clean and sober, went to a rehab, stayed there, went on his own, stayed there on his own, got clean and sober. He gets out. Uh, meanwhile, I go off to Bible school. I grew up in Missouri. I went up to Michigan, a, a place I'd never been. I entered Bible school because I wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to do for, for other people what that uh, youth group did for me. It gave me a place of belonging, you know. And uh, I was there for one month in this new school. I left home and uh, mom called me and she said, uh, Ryan, you need to come home. Your brother's been killed in a car accident. 
and uh, he relapsed. And in that relapse, you know, he was clean and sober for about 18 months. And that relapse, he got behind the wheel of a car. He was the drunk driver and was killed in that accident. And uh, madness, what I can tell y'all is um, this God that I had given my life to, this God that I had, I thought surrendered to, this God that I was in my mind working for, God, why would you do this to us? God, I hate you. You can't be trusted. You are nothing in my life anymore. And the thing is, I had too much shame. I couldn't let anyone know this, but that's that was what, what I felt internally, but I was scared of the shame that would come towards me. Um, I felt abandoned and I felt empty. And that was the time in my life where, man, I remember, I remember what can take this pain away. I remember, I know what can help me numb this stuff out. This pain is too deep. This feeling, this feeling of abandonment's too much. And so, uh, that's when I really started picking up the bottle. My drinking career just escalated uh, to where it was uh, completely out of my control. I would numb out with it. I, I, I went from Bible school. I came home for a while. I was a wreck. But then I decided, you know what? I'm going to go and finish my biblical studies degree. It was the only framework I had after biblical studies. I went to uh, seminary, and my plan was I was going to be a professor. I wasn't going to do any sort of ministry work because I wasn't sure how much, how close I wanted to be to this God, if I even believed in this God, but I could be a professor and do the academic thing. And um, so I did that. And then I came out in a long story short, I did campus ministry. Then I became a local pastor and a local church. And um, I, I say all that because uh, what I can tell you now is looking back, um, Religion couldn't save me from all of this stuff. Um, I tried when I came into ministry, and it was a long story how I got there from seminary, but um, because I wasn't going to go that route. But when I came in uh, as a pastor, I thought, you know, if, if I can just pray more, if I can just if I do the church thing more, now I've got a robe and a stole on for, for part of my ministry. If I could just do these things more, then God's going to save me from this stuff. And what I now know looking back is religion can't save you from this. Only God can do that. And that's the spiritual work that I had to do that inner work. And uh, man, I had so many nights where I would wake up and say, man, this isn't supposed to be me. Uh, how did I become a drunk pastor? You see, it's a sexy story. If I could tell you that, um, I got, uh, I got clean and sober, and then I became a pastor, but I became a pastor, and alcohol was still the master of my life, and I would ask God, God, why, why can't I beat this thing? I've tried so many times to, to, put, put, to put the bottle down, and, and the big book of AA, there's all these methods that are listed, and I remember reading that for the first time, thinking, man, I tried all those methods. God, why won't you save me from this? And... Um, you know, things got bad enough. I hated myself enough. I had, I was filled with enough shame and I thought God was against me. Uh, I called a friend and colleague of mine uh, early in the morning, one morning, and he sent me to another guy who was part of this, this program called Alcoholics Anonymous. And I knew nothing about AA. And I called this guy and we met that night and uh, he brought another guy with him. And, um, uh, I started going to a couple of meetings and I started meeting with this guy who was my sponsor and I met with him for, I don't know, it was maybe a month. And after a month, man, I was feeling good. The hangovers were done. 
um, I was, I used to be, uh, I, I was in the obese category, man. I was weighing 251 pounds and, uh, I started dropping some LBs. I was feeling good relationships in my life were just barely starting to get better. And so, um, you know, I went to the meeting that day where I was supposed to meet with my sponsor and I said, dude, I, I think, I think I'm good. I, th I think I'm good. And I remember thinking in my mind, dude, you must have it really bad because you're like, you've been in this thing for five years and I've got this thing beaten about a month. So uh, I'm good, man. And I thanked him and I was genuine. I thought, dude, you did a great thing in my life. I'm boozes out of my life. I'm good. And he just looked at me and uh, it was that kind of look that he gave me that uh, it pissed me off. And I remember I looked at him and I said, what, you, you, you think I'm going to drink again? And he said, well, you know, in my experience. And I was like, dude, damn your experience. You know, you don't know me. Do you know who I am? I got a biblical studies degree, a, a master's of divinity degree. I'm a pastor. I have self-discipline. I can do this. And uh, that lasted for, I don't know, maybe six or eight weeks. And I was right back to where I started. I picked up the drink again. And that's when I knew uh, man, this stuff has me. This this addiction thing has a grip on me that I cannot beat on my own. And so, um, you know, I had to, uh, it was actually January 7th of 2013. Uh, I woke up that morning and uh, I'd been married, married to the same woman for the last 16 years, actually, but we got married right out of college. We met in college and uh, I woke up that morning, January 7th of 2013. And um she had come down the stairs and I was passed out on a couch again, drunk. That was a Monday morning. Um, and she was holding another empty vodka bottle and she had tears coming down her eyes. And she said, Ryan, what are we going to do? And, uh, you know, she, she's probably said that, I don't know, maybe a thousand times in the past, but on that morning, I heard it six in the morning, hungover, passed out. Um, what are we going to do? And I knew I wasn't in it alone, but it was also like God gave me this crystal ball that said, man, you are, you are losing everything. And I had a little girl at the time, two and a half years old, and she would be hitting me on the head, trying to wake me up off the couch and wondering where her pops was. And, um, it was getting the crystal ball. Some of us call it the gift of desperation and, uh, Man, I don't know. We all have different bottoms. I don't know why that was a bottom for me that morning. But I said, honey, you are absolutely right. I got to get help. And so I said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to call our marriage counselor. We had a marriage counselor we worked with in a couple of years before that. I said, I'm going to call Sue and, uh, and I'm going to work my way out of this. But no one can know about it. I'll just work with a counselor. Thank God for good counselors. I called Sue that morning. I said, Sue, I don't know if you remember me, but uh, I would like to set up another meeting with you. Uh, because um, I can't stop drinking. And she said, Ryan, I would love to meet with you, but first you need to get involved in some sort of support group. And I said, Le support group like what? And she said, have you ever heard of Alcoholics Anonymous? And uh, however she said it, it pissed me off. So I hung up the phone and I went downstairs and my wife was down there. She said, well, what'd she say? And I said, she doesn't want to see me. And Tammy, my wife said, come on, Ryan, what's she really saying? I said, I'm serious. She said she doesn't want to see me. And Tammy says, I'm going to call her. What'd she say? I said, she won't see me until I get involved in some sort of support group and like AA. And Tammy said, well, you're going to go, right? 
And that started my journey back into this kind of humility where I realized I could not do it on my own. So I, I got a different sponsor because I was too scared to go back to the guy that I said I got it with. And uh, um, um, I got this, uh, uh, started working the steps essentially, started working the, the 12 steps. And, um, you know, it was a, during a time when re relationships in my life were broken, family relationships were broken. My sister, who was one of my best friends, she that Christmas told me she didn't want me around and uh, she didn't want me near her to be around her kids. And um, I just couldn't understand. It just piled on this shame. So I had a lot of shame that I had to deal with. And, and this shame of, man, I'm a pastor. I, 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 I like I'm supposed to teach people how to ha have life and my life is falling apart. And, um, you know, one of the most poignant moments in my sobriety was when my uh, sponsor looked at me across the kitchen table and he said, Ryan, this is going to be hard for you to understand. It's going to be hard for you to hear, but you are spiritually disconnected. And my impulse wanted to say, dude, do you know who I am? What do you mean I'm spiritually disconnected? I mean, I, biblical studies degree, masters of divinity degree. I'm a pastor. How can I be spiritually disconnected? And it took me a process, but I got there to where I had to admit I am spiritually disconnected in a thousand different ways. If I was so spiritually disconnected, then how come my life is, if, if I'm so spiritually connected, then Ryan, why do you hate yourself? Yeah, I had to do some hard inner heart work with that stuff, dealing with the shame. And, and what, I, what I should tell you all is, you know, I don't know how familiar you watching are with the with the 12 steps, but there's the second step. Uh, we can focus a lot on the first step and then four step and nine step. But this second step says that I came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. And that was really scary for me because I could get up and stand in front of people and talk about how good God is and God's grace is for you and God loves you unconditionally. And I actually believed it. I believed it. The problem was I didn't believe it was true for me. I believed it was true for everyone else, but it wasn't for me. And so I remember step two, and, and it's still a big thing in my life. I have to still come back to that on the daily, that um, if I'm going to surrender my life to this God, if I'm going to turn my life, my will over to this God, I have to believe that this God is good, that when Ryan lets go, something good is going to happen. Doesn't mean it's all going to turn out the way I want it to, but it means that it's good. It means that this God is full of grace. It means that this God wants me to come home. It means that God is welcoming me when I come home. It's not a God of shame. It's not a God of judgment. Uh, so oftentimes I thought, well, God's going to let me have it. God's going to punish me. That's what I deserve. And every single time when I surrender and let go, God's like, yeah, welcome home. Yeah, that, that's, that's what I, I, I want the good life for you. Welcome home. And, you know, that's been a big thing in my life. Another big thing in my life is I never thought it would be possible to, uh, man, how do you go through hard stuff and not pick up a drink? How, how is that? How is that possible? How do you go through the Super Bowl? How do you go on vacation? How do you go to dinner and not have a drink? And the miracle of having the obsession of alcohol removed from my life. I, I just, was just telling someone uh, just 30 minutes ago that um, I, I'm in a pr pretty stressful time in my life right now. This It's a stressful season. Uh, and not once over the past couple of weeks have I considered picking up a drink.
man, if I forget what a miracle that is, I've lost sight of the gift that I've been given. I've lost sight of the miracle that happens. And, and let me just while talking on miracles, let me mention one other miracle. Um, and because the miracles that happen all around us all the time, sometimes, sometimes we're aware of it. It's a miracle that I can um, go to go home tonight when I leave here and I'm going to hang out with my kids and I'm going to spend time with my wife and I'm going to be sober and I can be present all the way present. That's a miracle. I didn't think that could ever happen. Um, I mentioned step nine a minute ago. Step nine is where we make amends with people that we've harmed, with people that I've hurt. Oh, how's that going to go? Um, you know, miracles have happened in my life because of that. When I can own my mistakes, own my, my wrongdoings, and, and clean up my side of the street to see relationships that have been restored in my life, relationships that if you would have said 10 years ago, hey, you're going to be hanging out with this person, you're going to talk to this person, you're not going to hate this person, I would have said, no way, not possible. Uh, for that to happen, um, those are miracles. And this comes with the gift of sobriety. This comes with uh, God doing for me what I could not do for myself. And what I could tell you all now is um, I'm sober. Sober, what, oh, eight, eight and a half years uh, that, that I can be spiritually connected, uh, that God is a central part of my life. And it's not a show. It's not a mask. It's not it's not. A, just a career for me. This God stuff is real for me. This God saved my life. This God stepped in when I hated myself, when I thought that the whole thing was over, when I hated this God for, for in my mind, killing my brother. Why didn't you save him when you could have? Um, this God I know, I now know is, is full of love. And, um, you know, I, I don't know, maybe you're watching right now and you're thinking, well, yeah, how, how do I get there? I mean, how, how does that happen? Um, surrender, giving up, realizing your way hasn't treated you so well. For me, it was realizing this religion can't save me. You know, one of my, um, I, I got sober after my first year, I stayed sober in the basement of a church. The basement of the church where I was a pastor actually. And uh, Richard Rohr, he wrote a great book. It's called Breathing Underwater. And he's got this great line in that book where he says, uh, he says, when the church loses its own gospel, the Holy Spirit sneaks in through the ductwork of the basements. And AA has some pretty good ductwork. And I was reading that and I'm like, yeah, it took me a long time to get here. But this is where I learned the, in the basement of a church, learned the value of letting go, surrendering, turning my life over, um, not, not having to have all the answers of the mysteries around me, not having to... Uh, talk my way through and having to explain who God is, but living into who God is. And that's a big deal in my life. And now if you're like me, maybe you're dealing with a lot of anger, man. When I came in, I was so angry and I couldn't admit that to everyone because I wanted people to think I was all put together on the outside. And I was a little bit better than you, man. I had so much anger in me and my sponsor would have me uh, pray, you know, that um, the bottom of page 66, God saved me from being angry. Man, I had to pray that all the time. And, and what I can tell you all now is life is not perfect. Man, in the last eight and a half years, some hard things have happened. I've gone through some uh, just as hard of things in my sobriety than I did when I was out using. Uh, but the difference is, man, I, I now I have a, 
I have a brand new perspective on life. And I say it's brand new because it truly is. It's new every day. I get to choose how I'm going to live. Am I going to open myself and let God in? Or am I going to close myself down? And the anger, I can still get angry. Anger is not a problem, but it's how I deal with it. Um, you know, my, uh, I have a guy in my life who's always having me pray. It's, it's uh, page 552. So when I, when I, when I meet with him for coffee and, and I say, man, this dude's got me all wrapped up around this. And I can't stop thinking about this. He says, have you prayed for him? And this guy's always got me praying for people. And I hate it because he's right. And, uh, you know, 552, if you haven't read page 552 in a big book, it's a beautiful, there's a beautiful prayer there that talks about, um, when I pray for at least 14 days for that person to have all the things I think I deserve, all the things I want, peace, prosperity, uh, serenity. What's, uh, um, it, it says that I will be free and it's, it's a mystery, right? You mean if I pray for this person that I don't like, you mean it's going to have a way of setting me free? That's a big deal. It works. I don't know how it's a mystery. I'll close with this. Um, so I'm still a pastor. I now pastor, a, a, my wife and I started a church, a spiritual community. It's called Free. Um, it's community for addicts, loved ones of addicts, and spiritual refugees. We, we meet on Saturday nights and uh, we started in our backyard three years ago. Uh, this movement has grown. We're currently, we, we moved into a new space. We've outgrown this space. We're looking for um, other space. and. Um, it's a place where our tagline is, uh, we don't do shame because I know the power of shame. Shame is the greatest barrier between you and God. Shame is the greatest barrier between you and your, the people in your life that you want to love and love well and the people that love you and love you well. It's the barrier that keeps us hating ourselves. And uh, so we said, we don't do shame. Your story is welcome here. All of you, your whole story, entire story is welcome here. And we do the journey together. And, uh, Man, it brings me great amount of joy to be with my people and to do this uh, spiritual community together. Um, so if that's something you're interested in and you're in the Denver area, at least, we would love to uh, welcome you in. We meet, uh, we have our service on Saturday nights, uh, 7 p.m. Uh, we also have 12-step meetings here Uh various 12-step meetings here every day throughout the week. We do different events, uh, book studies, uh, fundraisers, uh, all kinds of things for the community. And uh, man, it's a pretty cool place. FreeSpiritualCommunity.com is our website. If you want to connect with us there, you can also uh, connect with me on social media, Facebook, Instagram. Um, uh, we're all so uh, free spiritual community on both of those, Facebook and Instagram. And uh, I'd love to connect with you if you want to know more, if you just want to connect and, and talk spirituality, recovery, or whatever else. Yeah, def definitely, definitely connect with Ryan. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, thanks, bro. Yeah, thank you so much, man. If you're in the Denver area, check that out. Yeah, it sounds look him up online. Super cool. It's a place for addicts, loved ones of addicts, and spiritual refugees. I'm I, all those things. I was going to say, I can identify with all those yeah. things. So, yeah, such a great, you know, what a miracle. Great, great story. I yeah. Love his delivery. I really liked, uh, I, I, you know, his story. What I like about his story again, is it, it's, it's what we hear time and time again, right? That, that, uh, he just didn't, he just didn't feel like he belonged. Yeah. 
automatic shame yeah not feeling a part of um like er, like like there was that day that god was passing out normally normal shit and he was not there yeah. that day and i feel like i've heard that so many times and every time somebody says it i go yeah that's how i felt too yeah <laughs> until we found that ease and comfort that comes with a drink or two yeah you know but he drank he drank alone he wasn't not, not a big party guy kind of unique in that way yeah that he he always drank alone yeah um very very interesting to think about and and i think that that you know just goes to show you how much of a soothing and comforting thing it was for him it was always sort of a tool to uh to to get through that that disease yeah that that discomfort yeah self-shame you know he talks a lot about shame yeah, and that's the tagline for the church. I love it. Yeah. You know, we don't do shame. Yeah. Shame is just, it's a its a huge. It's so big, dude. It's such a big part of a lot of people's story. It's such a big thing that even today, you know, I can i can find crippling. Yeah. The shame, that shame, that feeling of shame was a big uh, barricade between me and, and being willing to even consider God for a long time. You know, sure. Even in sobriety. Yeah. Know. So, I don't know. I know yeah. there's been a couple of times where you've said that uh, that you. I don't think I maybe. I mean, you I'm, you're you're right here, so I can ask you. <laughs> um, but uh, but it, I know that there's been a couple of times where you've said I don't want people to think that. Oh yeah, we knew he would come around. Yeah, like we knew this atheist thing was bullshit. Yeah, and that he would come around to it. Yeah. So do you think that there's been any shame for you in in uh, this sort of new understanding I, or new perspective? I don't. I don't care. Like, Great. I, I mean, yeah. I'm. I, I know that that the ego is going to pop up and be like, hey, 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 hey. But but you said there was no God. You you pronounced it. Mm -hmm. Every everyone's going to know that you're wishy washy, and phony. I know that that's coming. Yeah. I just don't care because yeah. I'll go back to the way that I felt. The pain. Yeah. And go, whatever. Like, right. it helped, mm -hmm. you know? And, and uh, you know, that letting go of God stuff, you know, I think Ryan can, can relate because, you know, when his brother died, his brother was the partier. Yeah. And it, yep. was, it, it was embarrassing for him. You yeah. Know? He didn't want people to know that there was that kind of shit going on in his family. And he'd leave school and go visit him in jail and then his brother got sober and died in a relapse yeah you know mm -hmm. and and i can see where you would tell god to go shove it and and jump into the bottle yeah you know uh alcoholics jump into the bottle and we die it's a slow painful death and uh the miracle is that like i can i can listen to his story and i can go okay god doing for me what i can't do for myself mm. over and over and mm -hmm. over again you know yeah. because he, he had it figured out like he he went into aa he, he got 12 stepped yeah by a couple alcoholics he got yeah. a sponsor and he was good in 30 days I, i'm good man you guys must be really fucked <laughs> up you still, still here after five years you guys are bad yeah you know and then six weeks later getting shut down by a counselor going, yeah, I think, you know, you probably need to go to AA, not me. Right. You know, or I mean, maybe he did end up going to her as well. I don't know. But, um, you know, he ended 
we 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 all end up back at AA. <laughs> or, yeah, or, I mean most some, of us. Yeah, twelve step. Like yeah. if we want, if we want lasting and long term sobriety, like that's the that seems that seems to be the deal. At least for for me, it has been. And and when I end up in a bunch of pain, I end up back in the steps. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. That's the path that it takes for us to get there. You don't have to be drunk to suffer from untreated alcoholism. That's right. Yeah. Like it just has to be painful. <laughs> it has to be painful enough. Yeah. For us to to remember what works and to and to be willing to to put everything else aside. I think that that's that's one of the biggest things um, is is to be willing to remember first things first. Yeah. Like, this is what has to happen first. This is what I've got to do first, or I am going to lose all that shit. Yeah. Including my mind. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, his story wasn't, you know, wasn't much different. I really appreciated the fact that, you know, he, he found out how to surrender to this God that he had, had his whole life found out how to surrender in the basement of the church. Yeah, basement you know? that he was pastoring. Yeah, in, in, in AA. It was AA where he learned, you know, how to how to really turn it over. Yeah. And it's such an important part of his journey. It's such an important part of my journey is constantly, constantly just remembering, like, dude, I'm not, I'm not running the show. Like... I fuck it up each time. Every time. Every time. It took me a minute, but I fucking ruined it. Ah, come on. Now, uh, you know, for me, pain is a great motivator. Yeah. Yeah. That's because I like to feel good, man. Yeah. I don't like fucking feeling like shit. <laughs> Get sober to feel like a dick. That's right. All the time, you know, and, and he talked about, you know, that that moment of, the gift of desperation and and that's what we get is a gift of desperation you know and thank thank, thank god for that yeah thank god for the gift of desperation because if if i could take anything away from our conversation and the story and the delivery of it and the topic and all that stuff is that um i'm grateful for the for the gift of desperation and that i for whatever reason, have been placed in a position of um, solution, the, the, a position where there's a solution for that desperation. I heard somebody share one time, and I've been thinking about it quite a bit lately, is, you know, AA was designed for people like me to gain a relationship with God. Mm. Wow. And I have to ask myself, Is that true? And today I'm willing to say, yeah. Yeah, could be, right? Yeah. Why, Why not? not? Why not? Well, I appreciate that, man. And I really appreciate your story, Ryan. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for sharing. And I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of it. And, uh, and, and, you know, take, take these people up when they, when they say connect with me. Um, yeah. You know, they offer themselves. Um, these are good people to have in your corner. Yeah. Um, we're grateful that that they're that they're able to come on here and share their story and 
and uh, you know, not everybody's able to 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 share their story in an open way, and there is a um, you know a reason for anonymity in some cases, and so. Um, you know, anytime anybody's willing to come on our program and share their story, you know, I, I, I remind you of how grateful I am. Straight up. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. So sweet. What do you think, buddy? Feeling all, feeling all goddergized. You, you decompressed a little? A little bit. I'm still pretty shaky, but. Yeah. It's all right. We're going to be okay. Just going to keep going. So thanks Good for coming deal, out. man. Yeah, thank you. It's been a good show. Um, Jordan, thank you, sir. An interesting show for sure. Yeah. But yeah, thanks, Jordan. Thanks, Rylan, even though you're not here because you're still in quarantine. Yeah. And thanks, Mitch, for all you do. And thanks, everybody, for your support. And uh, yeah, man. With that, we'll see you on the other side. Don't forget, you are worth the work. The Other Side of Hell is a do-it-yourself podcast. For more information, recovery resources, and contact info, check out our website at theothersideofhellpodcast.com. You can help us spread our message by liking and subscribing, giving us a follow, or a five-star rating.